Can we pause here? Because I have two things to say. What? First, another really good book for your dad if you don't know what to get him. I think all of your favorites of the year are good dad books. Thanks. I don't know <laughs> if that's like a compliment or not. But... <laughs> um, Welcome to He Read, She Read, the podcast where a couple of married bookworms discuss what they're reading and learning. Today we're discussing our 2019 and 2020 reading goals, sharing our favorite books of the year, and reviewing a few recent reads. I'm Curtis. And I'm Chelsea. Here at He Read, She Read, we believe that reading fosters relationships by sparking great conversations. We publish bi-weekly episodes on the second and fourth weeks of each month, and one of those tends to be a book discussion. At the end of January, we're discussing Ghost Talkers by Mary Robinette Kowal, a science fiction and fantasy twist on a World War I spy story. Make sure you're following us on Instagram for buddy read news and other announcements at He Read, She Read. You can also get in touch with us via email at He Read, She Read podcast at gmail.com. And you can find a list of all the books we mentioned in today's episode at He Read, She Read.org under podcasts. If you're enjoying He Read, She Read, please take a few minutes to write a review on Apple Podcasts. It helps more bookworms find our show, and we're so grateful for those reviews. They really make our day. All right, Curtis, today we are debuting our new show format, which we've been thinking about since, like, the summer. Yeah, mulling over best way to go about it, so we're breaking out something new. Our listener survey helped a ton. We were able to figure out um, which pieces of the podcast are people's favorites and sort of create a mix of everything all together. So at the top of the show, we will have a brief discussion on a bookish topic. Today, we're talking about reading goals. We'll have a couple of book reviews about what we've recently read and loved. And then at the end, we will have lots of recommendations um, based on a certain theme or topic that has been on our minds. Today, we're sharing our favorite books of 2019. And then, of course, we'll just share what we're listening to and watching on TV and all of that fun stuff. So let's get right into talking about our reading goals. What were your goals for 2019? So my 2019 reading goals, I had three. And for people that wanted to listen back, it was an episode in January of this year. And I talked about how I had not normally set reading goals, and this was kind of a new thing for me. I'm going to get two out of three. So I've already read over 20 new books for me, which um, some listeners will know that I'm a big rereader. So sometimes finding new books to read, um, I'll favor something old that I have already read before. Did you track how many rereads you had this year? No. I wonder if, I mean, I'm sure it's significantly fewer because you read new stuff. Yeah. But and I, I wonder read, how many. I read over 25 new books this year. For me, that's pretty good. Um, rereads, I'd, I'd put it maybe around 10. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, but it that led into my like second rereading goal, which was I wanted to go through the entire Harry Potter series over. And I just did not have the time to get it all done. I only made it through the first two. So in favor of getting some new books and new perspectives into my reading life, um, did not end up getting that rereading goal done. Um, and then my third one, I'm going to finish by the end of the year because I'm at nine. Uh, but it was ten new books by either women or people of color. Um, so I've gotten nine of those done so far and I'm reading a book on Martin Luther King right now that'll make it that'll put me over the top by the time we get to through December um yeah you've really worked on that goal the most I think this year yeah which is good that's about a little less than half of the new books that I've read um was that focus that I was trying to get into for my reading life one of my goals was similar I think it was 50 books um by non-white authors so just like pretty general um i think i made it to like 40 um but the number is not the significant thing um the practice behind it of seeking out a perspective that is different from our own um a lot of the books on my list like i got recommendations from people of color either on bookstagram or the internet in general um and 
that I think is something that I have been trying to do more. So it's not, doesn't exactly file itself under that goal, but I think seeking out those reviews is just as important. Mm -hmm. So it's not like the number goal isn't the important thing. The important thing is to be intentional about the information that you're taking in and which perspective it's from and seeking books that are outside of your own experience. So for us, as two white people, that means not just reading white authors. Mm -hmm. And for you, that means reading more books by women too. Yep. Um, See, for me, it is about the numbers. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, the if you're an achiever, having that number goal is helpful. But mm-hmm. I just think that if you don't have the intention behind it of actually shaping your own views and actually listening, then that doesn't do anything. And if you don't apply it in your life, like if you don't talk to people about it or you don't like actually take the information in and do something about it, then what's, you know... What's the point of just a number goal if you don't, like, let it shape who you are? Exactly. A little bit facetious as far as the, like, numbers goal. But yeah. I, I am an Enneagram 3 and an Achiever, so setting that helps. But yeah. you're right. It's about taking in different perspectives and being intentional in your reading life about trying to find different voices. Yeah. Um, so I don't know if I'm going to make, like, a specific number goal f- like that for 2020. I think it's a practice in my reading life now that I... I'm trying to be intentional about making sure that I don't only read white authors. It's something that like when I'm at the bookstore, when I'm putting books on hold at the library is just a natural part of my reading life, which is the point of the goal. Mm -hmm. So now I don't think I'm going to have like a number goal or something specific like that. I just want to maintain it um, because it's really, I mean, it's made a difference in my views it's made a difference in my reading life and some of my favorite books of the year have been um by black authors and that i think is like the most important thing when you can find authors that you are going to support and purchase their books consistently and that you want to like shout out to everybody and promote that's Mm -hmm. that's big yeah i'm in the same boat i don't know if 2020 is going to be as I don't want to say conducive, but I had a very good year reading this year with 2019 um, by nature of being in school for the first part of it um, and then kind of having a slower build um, into a more strenuous timeline here as we're closing out. Uh, And then next year as I'm deploying and doing grad school and all those things, it's kind of hard to predict how much time I'm going to have. Um, I'll throw the Harry Potter one back on because I can probably work my way through that over the year and especially if I'm going to be, you know, doing grad school things that's a good uh little palate cleanser especially because it's a reread so i wonder if the audiobooks might be a good way for you to get those in too i've heard that they're really good yeah i have a bad habit of like falling asleep yeah it's hard <laughs> unless you're like doing something which when you're deployed you can't be listening to an audiobook no, while you do that's, your job. That, that's no that's a no-go um but yeah that's an option um I'll, i've got room in some of my bags so i'm, I'm thinking about packing them um, but other than that, it's just being intentional about reading different voices. I, something that I've been saying for the past couple of years is I wanted more diversity in my reading life. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to see the fruits pay dividend. Yeah. Um, one of my other goals was not buying books on Amazon. And <laughs> I stuck to that really well. Nice. I mean, that's another case of it was a goal, but now it's just like natural that I just don't do it. Um I understand the only, well, I will say the only time I've bought books on Amazon is if I'm like donating to someone's classroom. Yes. Um, because that's the easiest way. Like people make a classroom wish list on Amazon and then you just purchase the book and it sends directly to them. So that's an exception I'm willing to make. Um, I also totally recognize that making the choice to not shop on Amazon and focus on independent bookstores is a privilege. We have some disposable income to spend on books and making that choice to spend a little bit more at an independent bookstore like that's that's a privilege it's not like something that everyone can do I get that um but I've also been using the library a lot more in place of just ordering cheap books on Amazon so it's not like we I mean you only buy your books (laughs) but um it's not like we're just you know tossing a ton of money out there um I've been using the library a lot more than buying books, and that's been really good for our wallet and for me in general. 
Um, so I will definitely maintain that. And um, it's just something that we believe strongly in because we love independent bookstores and mm-hmm. we want them to thrive and survive. And Amazon's a little bit evil. So, <laughs> well, those are two things that we're kind of passionate about is like not taking down evil corporations. Well, um, I mean, well, if only. <laughs> um, but, you know, supporting independent booksellers and then supporting authors that we really like. Yeah. But I think it's it's unrealistic to say, like, never in a million years will we ever purchase anything on Amazon because <laughs> we're human and it's also hard because it's so convenient. Mm-hmm. Um, but definitely, like, those classroom wish lists, I will buy all the books on Amazon if it means it's going to kids who are reading Um yeah, so that's definitely something to maintain. Um, all of our links in the show notes go to IndieBound, um, and people are more than welcome. Like, I don't think it's that much work to go and type the title in Amazon if they want to purchase there. Um, I know for Kindle users, it's hard because, like, Kindle is exclusively an Amazon thing. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm considering maybe including some Kindle links Um but our IndieBound links are now affiliate, so we earn a really little commission each time that you purchase a book through those IndieBound links, and they support independent bookstores. So if you're checking out the show notes and you want to purchase a gift for someone um, with a book um, from today's episode, just know that those affiliate links go to support independent bookstores and our show. So that was 2019 goals. I had three. Yeah. No. I didn't say my third one. Oh, you didn't say your third one. Um, my third goal was to take more notes while I write or okay. while I read. So like writing down notes or doing more book darts and stuff like that. Um, I feel like I did this sometimes. I get distracted when I'm reading and taking notes. Book darts are my friend because Mm -hmm. if I read something that I like, I can just put the book dart in and then when I'm done with the book, I go back and then I take notes and that's a better system for me. But I don't do this with every single book. Like if it's just a page turner and I can't put it down, I don't want to stop and mark stuff. So I don't know. I really like the idea of having like a notebook that's full of quotes that you pull from your book. Um, I like that in theory, but I just don't know if I'll be that kind of reader. Mm-hmm. Um, do you ever write in your books? I know we've talked about this before, but... Some of them. Um, if they're more academic in nature, I'll yeah. highlight and write notes, and then I'll pass them around to some people sometimes. Yeah. Not in my normal books. Um, like, I'm not... You won't see any scratching in, like, a biography or anything like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, obviously, I'm not going to write in library books, and that's a big chunk of my reading, right. so... And especially if you're trying to make that a habit thing, it's right. tough when you can't do it with every single books. Yeah. yeah. So we'll see. I'm still thinking about 2020. Do you have anything in mind for 2020? No, I think I'll just roll the Harry Potter um, goal to next year and see if it happens. Um, maintaining my concepts of trying to incorporate more diverse voices and really just finding time, like, I think maybe just trying to be daily reading. Like there are days when I'll read a lot and then days will go pat where I'm not reading anything. Mm-hmm. So maybe trying to be intentional about getting a daily reading regimen. I've been thinking more about that too. Um, in terms of like a reading number goal, the, my goals from the last few years have really stuck in my reading life, mm-hmm. which is fabulous. Like, um, two years ago, my goal was to always have a nonfiction book, a fiction book, and an audiobook that I was reading. And that's just standard for me now. The goals that I had last year, I feel like, are just naturally part of my reading life now. That's great. Like, I love where my reading life is at. But I'm kind of with you where I think maybe that, like, time spent reading is a better goal this year for me. Um, I'm thinking maybe... I've tried, um, last year I tried reading nonfiction in the morning, like with my tea. So it was like 15, 20 minutes of a nonfiction book after I woke up. I liked that. I don't do that right now. Um, right now I try and read while I eat lunch and that's been really good. Mm -hmm. And then recently I've been trying to read for like 15 minutes before bed. So 
one or all of those maybe I'll pick for 2020, but I'm kind of with you where like making sure I have a specific reading habit is more appealing Mm -hmm. and I think will be a healthy goal to have for 2020. So I don't know. Do you, are you leaning towards something? No, I think what I brought up was what I'm going to stick to and what's manageable. Well, I meant like, cause you talked about incorporating like a habit. I didn't know if you thought like, oh, I want to start reading in the morning or I want to start reading at night or something. No, just, just see how it goes. Just see how it goes. <laughs> So it's not it's not going to be a data collecting year for us. It's going to just be you I think with what we have coming up in the next year we need reading as relaxation and we need reading as stress relief. Yep. So that's why a daily whenever you can find it for either of us is going to be a good thing. I've thought about like reading during my morning constitutions. I don't know if that's like <laughs> proper podcast conversation. Well, we're here now, so yeah, go but, ahead. But like, no, like, I wake up early-ish in the morning, and I'm either like setting fantasy football or catching up on the news and stuff like that. Um, so an option is just to read during that time. Yeah. Classic 1950s newspaper, <laughs> man, you know? That's, what, that's kind of what I'm inventing. Uh, you used to keep a book in the bathroom. Yeah, I don't anymore, but... Did you actually read it? Or it depends if your phone's in there with you. Yeah. That's the hardest thing. I think, I mean, I definitely get more reading done when my phone's in another room. Mm-hmm. So maybe that's even a reading goal is just like for maybe half an hour every day, making sure my phone is nowhere in sight and getting some reading done that'd phone a, free. That'd be a way to do it. All right. um, We'll probably post more about this on Instagram. We're very curious to hear what your reading goals are, listeners. So definitely let us know. Let's get into some book reviews. Sure. So I read Taliban by Ahmed Rashid, uh, which has been on a a lot of suggested reading lists um, for people heading to the Middle East and um, has been pushed around a lot of circles since it was published in the year 2000. So the fun part, and I've listened to some author interviews from him, is he's Pakistani um, and has been covering Afghanistan since the 70s and 80s. I totally recognize his name from NPR. Yes. Um, So when he was writing the book, he wasn't getting a lot of traction in Pakistan. And then the Yale University Press called him up for publishing in the United States, and it blew up. Like it, that was right after the USS Cole incidents and the embassy bombings. Um, and Osama bin Laden's name had been kind of thrown around there for his links to the Taliban. And then it kind of just took off in the United States. And then that compounded even more in 2001 when 9 11 happened. And then, so when was this written? 2000. Okay. So it came out and people were reading about it and it was kind of all the rage. And then 9 11 happened. And then it became even more of a yeah. thing where people wanted to get into it. And then he's published a subsequent second edition um, in 2010 um, that kind of covered the last decade of war up until that point. Um, it's very informative about kind of the start of the Taliban and how they took over and what the state of Afghanistan was before they were there, afterwards, and kind of the Soviet influences from the invasion and the Mujahideen and stuff like that. So... Like one of the most striking things for me came in the first couple of pages where like the UN is in Afghanistan and was doing a lot of peacekeeping and building stuff. And they're like, hey, we're just going to build you a soccer stadium. And then the Taliban was like, hey, thanks for the soccer stadium. We're just going to use it to execute people and have it be like everybody comes to see what's going on for our like public justice. So and then there was the frustration about like, you're not not using it right. We're supposed to play football. But they didn't care because they were reliant on their system of public and mass justice according to how they saw it um so it's good for kind of understanding the backdrop of the war in afghanistan the influence that the taliban still has because they're still controlling a large portion of that country do you think that you'll pick up the 2010 update i thought this was the 2010 update when i bought it Um, so this was something that we picked up in montreal um when we were on our vacation um 
I don't know if I need the second edition or now that it's nice to have the first edition and go from there. Yeah. Um, from what I hear, that's like follow-up chapter um, in the second edition wasn't as good. So I'm kind of going to hold what I got on that one. Yeah. So that's probably cool. one of the better books I read in the latter part of this year. So how about you? What's your review going to be for this week? My review for this week gets into favorites of 2019, which we're going to talk about um, coming up. So this is my favorite romance of 2019. And I read it pretty recently. Um, I love when a favorite comes in right at the end of the year. I don't know why. I just like, maybe it's because I'm a procrastinator. (laughs) Um, But my favorite romance of 2019 is Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert. And Hibbert is a British romance author. Um, This is a contemporary romance. Chloe Brown, um, she is a fantastic heroine. She almost gets run over and very seriously injured by a car. And she has this realization as her life flashes before her eyes that she hasn't done much. And so she loves lists and she makes a list of all these things that she wants to do. One thing that she does is move out of her family home and branch out on her own. So she gets this apartment and um, there's a real cute landlord Mm. and they have sort of like a tense love-hate relationship that turns into friendship that then turns into love. And it's really sweet. Something um, that's a big component of the book is Chloe has fibromyalgia. And so I believe that Talia Hibbert, I don't know if she has fibromyalgia, but she has a chronic illness and it's really well written and gives really great insight into living with a chronic illness. And it's not like um, the big focus of the book is on that, but it's a big part of Chloe's life. And so her dealing with that and dealing with that in terms of like, well, how does that, you know, pan out in her relationship with the hero. Um, What I loved is something in romances that really annoys me because it's exhausting is that often the women will be doing a lot of the emotional labor for the men. And what I mean by that is like the men don't know what to do with their emotions and the women are basically serving as their therapists as they're falling in love. And that really bothers me. Like, it's a symptom of toxic masculinity. I get that that's common. But if you're reading a fantasy, to me, the fantasy is like, oh, a man with fully, who's like in therapy and is fully capable of expressing his emotions. Um, That's the hero in this book. He has been through some stuff, which of course influences his relationship with her. He brings up like his therapist and he's not ashamed about his mental health journey. Um, and it's sassy and funny and it's just so, so good. So, um, even if romance isn't your typical genre, but you like cute, funny books, um, I think this is definitely one to pick up. If romance is your genre and you haven't read this yet, absolutely get it. It's Get a Life, Chloe Brown by Talia Hibbert, and it is my favorite romance of 2019. So we have a big holiday road trip coming up, and something we look forward to is planning our audio entertainment for the long trek. Podcasts, music, and most importantly, audiobooks. When we drove to Montreal recently, we listened to the latest Lady Hardcastle mystery, thanks to our friends at Libro FM. We love supporting independent bookstores with Libro FM, and we don't want you to miss out on the amazing deal Libro FM is running for the holidays. Give the gift of audiobooks to your best friends and loved ones when you gift any 3, 6, or 12-month audiobook membership this holiday season. You'll receive Audiobook of the Year and number one New York Times bestseller, Circe by Madeline Miller, for free. FM is sharing this gift as a thank you for those who support local bookstores this holiday season. Madeline Miller's book, The Song of Achilles, was our favorite buddy read of the year, and spoiler, might be on my list of favorites for 2019. And Cersei might be on my list of favorites for 2019. (laughs) And I can't wait to read Cersei after you're going to talk about it. When you send your friends and family a Libra FM membership, not only do you get the audiobook of Cersei for free, but you get the satisfaction of shopping local. Libra FM lets you and your friends and family purchase audiobooks directly from your favorite indie bookstore. You can pick from more than 100,000 audiobooks, including new releases, current bestsellers, and recommendations from booksellers around the country. With Libra FM, you'll get the same 
audiobooks at the same price as Audible, but you'll be part of a much different story, one that supports community. To get started, all you need is a smartphone and the free Libro.fm app. Listeners of He Read, She Read podcast can get this special offer via the link in our show notes. Just click on Libro.fm Holiday to get started. We also have the link in our profile on Instagram under Libro.fm Holiday. That's L-I-B-R-O-F-M Holiday. Give the gift of audiobook entertainment and support small business this season. We're definitely treating my mom to the special offer, and we're certain you're thinking of a reader in your life who needs Libro.fm too. So in the third half of today's show... The third half. That was, that's me throwing in a little cart talk um, <laughs> since we were talking about NPR earlier. Um, but third part of the show, we'll talk about some recommendations, and we're going to make this be our favorite books of 2019 segment. I'm excited to talk about this. We haven't talked about this at all together yet. So we did the... For listeners of our Patreon, or what did we do that on the regular show for like no, our favorite think, books of the month? I think it was just on Patreon when we did our monthly reading wrap-ups. So I went back through those episodes um, and was looking at my favorite books of the year, and I had three categories and then an overall. Uh, you had more categories, I think. Yeah, I think we should go back and forth on these. Um, you share a book, I share a book. Well, since you have more, you should start. Okay. <laughs> um, I have two favorite essay collections that I read in 2019, and I could not pick between them. So the first one is Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper, and the second one is Trick Mirror by Gia Tolentino. Eloquent Rage by Brittany Cooper is, I think the subtitle is something about... Um, Something about a black feminist's something. I don't remember. I should have looked it up. Um, But it's a series of essays, and it's a little bit memoir-ish because a lot of the essays have to do with her upbringing and her own life. I loved Brittany Cooper's writing style and her voice. I could not put this book down. And I think with essays, sometimes it's easy to read an essay, set it aside, think about it. But this one, like, I just kept turning the pages and it was so readable. Um, Definitely a book that I would pick up again and reread. I'm not a rereader, but with essays, that's a little bit different. I'm always looking for, okay, maybe I can teach this or um, I like writing and have been doing more writing recently. So I like to look at essays and sort of figure out, okay, well, like how did they structure this? So definitely one that I will pick up again. Um, Trick Mirror, I listened to on audio, loved the audio version. Gia Tolentino read it herself, um, and I'm waiting to get this one in paperback so I can read it again. I particularly loved the essay about childhood book heroines, um, but it was just a really good examination of, like, millennial culture and how we interact with social media and just modern-day pop culture and society I just loved it so much. Mm-hmm. So those were my favorite essays of the year. Um, so no surprise, but I'm going to have military be my first topic because <laughs> I read a lot of military books. Uh, and this might be a little bit of a surprise since I just read Call Sign Chaos and really liked it by General Mattis. Uh, but my favorite one of the year was Sea Stories by William McRaven. So I listened to this on audio through Libro, um, and it's about his time as a Navy SEAL and then as the leader of Joint Special Operations Command and being the architect of the Bin Laden raid is kind of what he's most famous for. And I had read his book, uh, Make Your Bed, which was kind of a self-help advice book based on a speech that he gave at the University of Texas at Austin. So I like his speaking style. He's very matter-of-fact in the way that he thinks about things what stuck out to me about this book is just his daily interaction with sailors and then when he becomes part of jsoc soldiers marines he's just has a personality and an interaction with people that's very appealing to me and he's just got a lot of interesting stories to tell um, from his upbringing and um, being a track star in high school and kind of making that work to recovering from a parachuting injury which like completely shredded all the tendons and like his lower half after he had an incident with a parachute um and then just the stories from inside um some of the more publicized special operations that have happened in the last decade um and then just taking through the decision making process and how that all worked so i'm a big fan i like him as a person i enjoy his 
re, uh, writing style and the way that he does interviews. So I'm here for more William McRaven. If you still haven't figured out which book to buy your dad for Christmas, this is the book. Don't you think? <laughs> that's, a, that's a good one. Um, if I'm looking at all the military books I read this year, definitely he's got a very good relationship with his father and talks about him a lot as one of his inspirations. So I think this is definitely a good woman for a father g- gift if he's into military or any of the other. Well, and like I think it's just like good storytelling. Yes. And I even listened to a little bit of the audio because you were listening to it while we were like unpacking and doing house projects. And I really found myself engaged. Like this is one that I would listen to and I don't like military at all. So this is <laughs> truly like the perfect dad book i think you, you should specify i think you should specify that you don't like military books because oh, yeah. like, like the military <laughs> at all, which would cause it's a complicated relationship but yeah that's not what i meant <laughs> okay so that's my first one um i'm gonna get into some nonfiction here my favorite nonfiction of the year hands down like this is so easy was Bad Blood by John Kerry Rue. Buddy Reed, look back if you're interested. It was a very good discussion, good episode. Yeah, we both loved this one. I think part of why I did like it so much was the fact that like, we both had a really similar reading experience. It was fun to talk about. We both got super into it. And um, I just loved it. I mean, by now you've probably heard about it. It's the story of Theranos and Elizabeth Holmes. It's bonkers. Um, Reed's like a little bit of a thriller i mean like super page turning but i loved the structure i loved the storytelling i've heard that it's really good on audio so if you are an audiobook listener put this one on your list um my next category um is memoir so still nonfiction for my first two but i felt like military was its own category Uh, and this is a business book that i really enjoyed shoe dog by phil knight so this is written from a little bit of a love letter to running and then also talking about the creation of Nike um, because he's one of the co-creators and really the passionate person that was looking for a more like just building a better running shoe and that was kind of the fun part for me is the dual nature of he's someone who's looking for a good running shoe just because he just loves to run and then also the business side of things where he was looking for something to do at coming out of college and then decided to create this business. So there's some very interesting cast of supporting characters in this, um, like the original people that he was selling out of like chunks of cars and they would be like going over design ideas, go on a quick six mile run and then come back and then their boardroom activities were insane. Um, and then just back and forth to a lot of suppliers in East Asia and going through those negotiations and building kind of rapport and then competition as well. So I just brought this book into my office the other day and gave it to one of my lieutenants to read because he's kind of got that entrepreneurial business mindset. Um, so it's a good one for anybody who likes business books or running or just wants to see the background on Nike if you're a fan. So Can we pause here because I have two things to say. What? First, another really good book for your dad if you don't know what to get him. I think all of your favorites of the year are good dad books. Thanks. I don't know <laughs> if that's like a compliment or not. But <laughs> um, Second, can we talk about the fact that you brought in books to lend out to your lieutenants, which you never do? So it was a weird... What cir- happened to you? It was a weird circumstance. So I went um, home at lunchtime to pick up a single book for one of my lieutenants um, who's interested in going to ranger school. And it's, I had a copy of the Army Ranger handbook for him. And then it just spiraled into, oh, that'd be a good one for him. That'd be a good one for her. That'd be a good one for him. And then I ended up taking two book, two boxes full um, <laughs> into my office. And then in the afternoon, it was very much like a sommelier style like pairing where I'd be like, have you read this? Have you read this? And just throwing books at my soldiers. And then people would just come in to my office and be like, hey, we hear you're handing out books. I'm like, I'm not giving them away. I expect them to be returned. Did so. you give a lecture on how they should keep them in pristine condition? No, I did not. I am... Oh, I should show you because it'll be great podcast content. But somebody was reading a book like this. Note for the audio. 
Curtis is holding the book up by its cover. How are they reading like that? I don't know. They were looking for like a specific thing and it was just like... Uh, Put the book uh, down. Just, uh. just, uh. <laughs> so this will be a good lesson for me to just like let go of things yeah. because they weren't doing any good just sitting on my shelf. So Yeah. I, oh my gosh, I'm like tearing up. I'm so proud of you. Oh, no, it's because no, I... you have a cold. <laughs> Don't be fooled, listeners. It's because she has a cold. Um, It's just so funny to me because that's like what I would do for my students all the time. Um, I think I'm rubbing off on you. Yeah. When the moment struck, it was just the right time. Like I'm not going to see them for another six weeks until after Christmas because I'm uh, going to school for some other things. So it's... It was my like, oh, I'm not going to see you, but I want you to have something to read over Christmas. So here you go. You're still going to get mentored, even on break. <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Um, all right. I'll move into my favorite historical fiction of the year, which was City of Girls by Elizabeth Gilbert. And some people didn't like this because I think they expected it. They expected more. They like wanted it to be more literary or they didn't like the structure. But I loved it. It was everything that I thought The Seven Husbands of Evelyn Hugo was going to be, but it wasn't. Um, City of Girls was everything that I wanted from that book. Um, So it's about a young woman who goes to the city. She meets a bunch of people in show business. It's like her journey through womanhood. And I just absolutely loved it so much. It was the perfect summer read for me. And... Um, I, to be honest, when I was looking at the books that I read in 2019, I did not read very much historical fiction at all. So, and that's usually one of your staples. It used to be, but I think I'm just kind of getting away from it a little bit. I wonder if I just kind of burned myself out on it and Mm -hmm. I was sick of all the World War II stories. Yeah. Like I have The Huntress by Kate Quinn sitting on my shelf and I think that one probably could have been a favorite, but I just haven't wanted to pick up any World War II historical fiction lately. Or for the last year, I guess. So, (laughs) and City of Girls does cover World War II, but it's from a completely different angle. Like, the war is not the focus. So, yeah, I don't know. We'll see how the next year of reading goes for me. But historical fiction hasn't been on my radar as much. I don't even think I read that much historical fiction. The last one that I can really think of that I liked was Beneath the Stars High. Yeah. Well, you read a lot of historical nonfiction, though. Yeah, yeah. So that kind of... I don't feel like... You're restricted to one or the other, but no, that's but kind of how I feel. Like, I read more of the nonfiction yeah. than the historical fiction. Um, for, yeah, we'll see how that goes. For anyone confused, I said Beneath the Scarlet Sky. Yeah, was, <laughs> it came out a little jumbled. Something was going on right there. <laughs> I do, so our next buddy read that's coming up, Ghost Talkers, is historical fiction, but with a twist because it's some, like, fantasy elements. So I'm curious to see how we both like that. Yeah. And it's World War One, so it's not as saturated. Yes. Um, I'm going to go into my mystery right away because I think this one is probably shared for us. Is yes. that right to assume? So this is a mutual favorite boat for both of us. Our favorite mystery of the year. Tied for first, you think? I can't pick between Bluebird, Bluebird and Heaven My Home by Attica Locke, the Highway 59 series. I liked Bluebird, Bluebird better, which we did for a buddy read. And then the sequel we had is an audiobook that we listened to on a road trip. So different experiences. I loved the narrator for the audiobook. Yes. I think if we had listened to them both, maybe you would feel like Bluebird, Bluebird was elevated that much. Um, But great audio experience really into the main character um I, I just think the introduction piece of it was better in bluebird bluebird um, well you definitely this is a mystery series that you definitely should read in order yes um one of my favorite mystery series like ever i want to pick up every single one um read attica Locke's backlist we can't stop recommending this one to people um our dear friends Britt and Richard, who you might remember from previous episodes, picked this one up as a buddy read um, to read together. Um, Rich is deployed in Korea right now, and um, they absolutely love Bluebird Bluebird, so um, endorsement from them as well. And it, yeah, if you haven't picked these up, like every year I feel like I have at least one book that I just want to push in everybody's hands. 
this is the series this year for me that like I just want everyone to read. High praise. And I agree. Like it's a covers a wide range of topics that are very important in today's day and age. And she's a very like her style and the voice that she gives to the characters is something that I really enjoyed from her. Definitely. All right, what's your next category? Uh, fantasy. So a big one of uh, my favorite categories. And didn't read a lot of fantasy this year. I just picked up a, a one um, on our trip to Montreal that I'll be bringing up in a future episode that I thought was very good. Um, but I'm going to go with The Rook by Daniel O'Malley. So I read this when we were in the middle of our move from Oklahoma up to New York. And it talks about um, a woman who has is suffering from memory loss and has a bunch of letters that are written from her um kind of detailing how she lost her memory and how to operate inside this supernatural clandestine organization so i think i liked it so much because it's got a lot of like influences i wouldn't say influences but it reminds me a lot of supernatural where it's an organization that's going up and taking on supernatural forces um, and then there's people within the group that have supernatural abilities. And so it's kind of that progression of her understanding her abilities, how to use them, and how to navigate inside this organization. And then also taking the personality from who she was before and then now evolving into this completely different person. So people around her are like, who are you? And you're a lot different than how you used to be. It's because she's a completely different person. So I liked it. I haven't picked up uh, the sequel Stiletto yet, but I am hoping to next year. Do you think I would like The Rook? I think you would. Um, we talked about watching the show to see if you would like the character, but I think yeah. I heard the show is just not very good. Um, but I think you would enjoy the book. It's very. It's one of my favorite fantasies that I've read in the last couple of years. I really liked A Darker Shade of Magic. Do mm-hmm. you feel like it has a little bit of parallels with that? Mm, Maybe just the British part? Maybe, but I, like... But that might be the only thing. Okay. But if your dad likes fantasy. <laughs> no, no, we're going we're gonna to stop with the, the, the dad one is over at this one. Um, but yeah, I think you would like it. All right. Next up, I have literary fiction. And I couldn't pick between two because I loved The Logger Queen of Minnesota by J. Ryan Stradall. And I listened to that one on audio really enjoyed the audio version, although I think that the narrator could have done better on her Midwestern accent. Um, Spoken like a true Midwestern girl. But it was such a sweet story of generations of women, of the Midwest, and what it really means to be from the Midwest. Um, I don't often read male authors writing about women, but J. Ryan Stradle is really good at it. And you can just imagine the respect that he must have for his mother and grandmothers and the Midwestern women in his life because it really comes across on the page. And I just loved that one. Um, And like I said, really good on audiobook. The literary fiction on paper that I would pick as my favorite is Circe by Madeline Miller, which I actually read really recently. And I think part of why I loved it so much is I'm teaching the Odyssey right now. Mm-hmm. And so I was already in like Greek mythology mode with my students when I read this and was recognizing a lot of the stories and characters from what I've been teaching. Um, but I love her writing style. I loved Circe's voice. I loved the way that Madeline Miller takes a myth and makes it so deeply human. There was a lot of commentary about womanhood and the patriarchy, and um, it was all told in such a subtle and beautiful way, and I just loved it so much. And, I mean, I also just love retellings of any kind. This is not a direct, like, Odyssey retelling, but there is a small component of that, and... I absolutely loved it. I think it's probably tied with Song of Achilles in terms of my favorite Madeline Miller. Okay. I haven't read it yet, but I am looking forward to it. It, it found its way into my office once you I don't know. I don't know how that happened. I don't know how that happened. Yeah, but uh, 
looking forward to picking it up eventually. Uh, I think that segues into my favorite book of the year overall, which was The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. So like, that's favorite book, hands down. You could only pick one. You would pick Song of Achilles? Yeah, I think that was my favorite book of the year, not only because of kind of the experience that we've had with the show considering that book, uh, but then also reading it together, talking about it. And I really just enjoyed her, and I think that's going to lead into me liking Cersei. Wait, what was I talking about earlier? This is, well, it's myths. It doesn't really count as historical fiction. No, not really. Yeah, so, okay, then I was... I call it literary fiction. Okay, so then I was correct in this is my earlier assessment. Yeah. So, um, but, yeah, I, I enjoyed it, I think, mainly for the Patrick Killies memes, which are <laughs> still funny. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I'm, in, I'm still thinking about it and recommending it in such a positive manner. And that was something that we read in January of this year. So it's been a full 12 months and that says a lot. So Yeah, that says a lot about the book. Good. So I'm sticking with it. I have one last category. Um, this past year, I really took a break from young adult fiction. And I think that was had a lot to do with me sort of being on a break from the high school classroom. Um, but... There is an author that I absolutely fell in love with, um, especially her books on audio. Elizabeth Acevedo is incredible. I really loved With the Fire on High and The Poet X on audiobook. I think I listened to both of them through Libro FM. And I highly recommend these books if you are an audiobook listener or you enjoy poetry. Um, and yeah. They're just so good. She captures the voice of a teenage girl so well in both books. They're both about seemingly everyday circumstances, um, but she adds such such depth and beauty and her language is just phenomenal. So I highly recommend Elizabeth Acevedo in general, all of her books, but specifically on audio. She narrates them herself and she has such a great audiobook narration voice. And that wraps up our favorites. Mm-hmm. Okay, so the last segment for the show is we're just going to cover watch, listen, read about things we're watching, things we're listening to, and what we're reading right now. Um, so you caught up with The Crown Season 2, which you missed because you were deployed during yes. Season 2? Yes, and hadn't caught up. So you had seen it, and yes. then we Season 3 had just dropped... So we figured out that I had to come back and watch season two so that we could watch season three together. And I'm really enjoying the character switch with uh, Olivia Coleman and Tobias. What's his face? That's in everything. I like him. Yeah, he's very good as Prince Philip. Um, I think that that is really perfect casting. Mm -hmm. And so we're seeing kind of the development from them as like the early couple so the conflict that was happening between matt smith and claire foy and then now they're developing into this partnership as the like that that first scene where the, she's getting the new postage stamp and sees it like where she's like she's aged and transition like all of her aides are like the queen is transitioning to and she's like an old bat <laughs> so i really like olivia coleman since she was on Fleabag that we really liked yeah. and so i think it's a if people aren't watching the crown watch the crown come on you have to be kind of interested i think in the british royals in order to watch it right or at least like if you liked downton abbey you i was like just the gonna crown. say like if you're a downton abbey person and enjoyed that you'd like this just for like the definitely back, the not really like the upstairs downstairs dynamic but more like the behind the scenes yeah and just even the way that it's shot yes i feel like the decadence and like just the filming of it is mm-hmm. very similar and netflix does a great job with the production so oh yeah and then um as far as listening we started death beside the seaside by t.e kinsey this is lady hardcastle number five i believe you would know more than i um and as always we love emily and Flo. but fish and chips on the, the prom there's winning zingers and lines and it's just a delightful listening listening experience so ah, we can't recommend lady hardcastle enough so that was part of our initial road trip for over thanksgiving and then we'll continue over christmas holiday when we're 
in the car. Yeah, I think we only have like an hour left, so we'll finish that. Nice. Um, um, go ahead with what you're currently reading. So might be a surprise because it's a little bit of a detraction from my normal, but I'm reading some French political philosophy. Is that really that much of a detraction from your normal reading? Listeners can decide. <laughs> um, by uh, Jean-Jacques Rousseau, it's The Social Contract. So this was written in the 1760s, and he was the first like major thinker to argue against a monarchy being like divinely put in place to rule over people and then placing more of that divine and sovereign authority with the people and having a democracy as like the best form of government so i think it'll be really interesting reading that just in terms of like what's happening around the world right now Mm -hmm. the protests in hong kong um there's just a lot of political upheaval that if you sort of like zoom out the global perspective that's going to be really interesting to apply and the edition that i have also includes two of his other more famous works which are the discourse on the sciences and the arts and then discourse on the origin and foundations of inequality so that second one i'm interested in and it kind of talks about the goodness of man and life and society and all that stuff so people can judge for themselves whether that's a detraction from my norm but (laughs) Um, I am currently reading Northanger Abbey by Jane Austen. And you which are loving it. Like, I you, do. You're talking about the, the other night where she's just like, oh, she must have known somebody because she's coming after them. She's just got the best zingers. She's so sassy. Um, this is not usually people's favorite by Jane Austen, and I can see why. Like, It's one of her earlier books, um, and so I don't think she really fully honed her craft yet, but... Um, super sassy, really biting wit, and it's very meta. Um, It's a book about readers and novels and the gothic novels of the time, and um, I'm really enjoying the meta stuff that's happening. Um, Really nerdy, but I'm definitely going to be reading some, like, uh, articles about Northanger Abbey when I'm finished because I'm super curious to see what other literary critics have thought about Jane and what she's trying to say with the book. So I'm really enjoying that one. I think it's worth picking up. All right. That's all we have for today. So new show format. Tell us what you think. Um, We really enjoyed all the responses we got from our listener survey uh, and it helped build the show to what it is. So if you're liking the format, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or just send us an email. Um, reminder about our upcoming buddy read that we mentioned is Ghost Talkers by Mary Robinette Kowal. For news and announcements, you can connect with us on social media or email, Twitter and Instagram at HeRedSheRed or email HeRedSheRedPodcast at gmail.com. You can also find show notes at HeRedSheRed.org under podcast. A big thank you to our favorite audiobook service, Libro FM, for sponsoring this episode. Thank you all for listening, and remember, the couple that reads together tells everybody to read the Highway 59 series and The Song of Achilles by Madeline Miller. Nice. 